and welcome to JudgeCast. We're the uh, Cerberus of judging podcasts with three heads. I'm head number one, CJ Schrader, level two, from Smyrna, Georgia. Who are my other two heads? I'm head number two. I'm Ooh. Jess Dunks from Northern California. And who's head number three? Do we have a head number three? I I will be I will be the tail end of this human judge centipede. Oh, oh, that's uh, disgusting. Oh, it is. It is. <laughs> Brian. So, so if you're the tail end, then we come up with ideas and you just kind of like regurgitate them out. Like, I basically, (laughs) I think I'm the, I'm the first one to die, aren't I? Uh, oh, the head. No, that's that's me. Oh, the head. You're in the middle. No, she survived till the end. Oh, okay. Which is the worst thing. Because yeah, no, <laughs> yeah, the first one to die was the lucky one, right? Yeah, he killed himself, which is a good move. Spoiler alert! Spoiler alert! Well, haven't they come out? So with, just like, for the record, anyone now? who anyone who hasn't seen this movie, don't, don't see this movie. Don't it's awful. See it. I watched the sequel too, even though I hated the first one, and the sequel is also awful. It's worse. It's worse than the first one. Just go read the Wikipedia entry. And I hated this movie so much. I watched the sequel. I, yeah, I do that all the time. <laughs> It's terrible. It's like Leprechaun 4 or Leprechaun in the Hood or whatever it was. Uh, oh, yeah. Leprechaun in the Hood is one of the best Leprechaun movies. <laughs> it's one of the best Leprechaun movies. That's uh, high praise there. Yeah, the stuff we talk about on JudgeCast. So speaking of centipedes, how about Trample? What is centipede? Is there a centipede that tramples? No, I tried to find one. I thought it would be a great segue, but it was awful. That's okay. <laughs> speaking, speaking of things that are unrelated. Yep. So last show, we talked about how the trample shortcut had been removed from the MTR. And during our discussions, we weren't sure, does that mean trample has a default anymore? Or should we just still use the old default? And at that time, we were like, well, I guess we just continue thinking that people trampled over if they don't say anything. But and as it turns out, as it turns out, that is not correct. No. Jason, someone pronounce his last name. Let me hear. Limbs. Yeah, Limbs. Jason Limbs. It's just Limbs. That's his, name. Limbs. That's his only name. Level 5 judge posted on the judge list the other day. He says, with the introduction of life totals in the MTR, and what he means by that is it happening to announce your life totals, I'm leaning towards simply removing the trample shortcut. If they fail to assign damage to the player verbally and fail to indicate a change in life totals that the trample would have caused, sorry, but you really killed that blocker. So dead. <laughs> and the default now is just not to trample. If, if you don't say anything at all, how often will that happen? So, so as an example, yeah. if I attack your Gideon Jura because he insulted my mother. Yes. Uh, if I attack Gideon Jura with Primeval Titan and you block with the Lana URL and I don't say anything and you don't say anything and you don't remove any counters from Gideon, and I go, okay, I'm done and pass the turn to you. Then you untap and go Gideon plus twos and you go, wait, no, Gideon should be dead. That's too bad. If you didn't remember your trample, you didn't remember your trample. So would you say trample is lapsing? <laughs> it's not a trigger. It's so <laughs> lapsing. However, Eric and I made this uh, made this fake magic card today or the day before, and it's called Pools of Lapsing or Lapsing Pools or something like that. Okay. And uh, it, it actually has I every lapsing trigger. You saw this? Was this the card with no art on it? Yeah, because there's no room for art on this card. Uh, <laughs> it, it has every lapsing trigger, and then at the end, it starts with, you know, when this enters the battlefield, gain one life. Whenever you gain one life, target player discards a card. And then it goes through the entire list of lapsing triggers, and at the very end, you gain one life. So it actually just chains through. Oh, <laughs> that's weird. <laughs> but it was kind of cool, uh, because actually doing that helped me remember exactly what the lapsing triggers are. 
Then Eric said, screw this, and he made a uh, he made an enchantment called Lapse of Judgment. Lapse of Judgment says, lapsing triggers are now non-lapsing, and you must remind your opponent about mandatory triggers. <laughs> I don't think that would work. <laughs> Weird card. So bizarre. Uh, speaking of lapsing, though, we have a new regional coordinator in Canada. What? You were so bad at this. <laughs> that was better. This so, so no, that was not. That wasn't better at all. All right, we should have mentioned it last show, but we forgot. That's lapsing, right? How about speaking of higher level judges? Okay, we have a new RC in Canada. We were just <laughs> talking about Lems. Well, that RC is Gavin Duggan. So <laughs> is, that, is that Duggan? Is it Dugan? I actually don't know. I don't know either. I prefer to think of it as Duggan, as in hacksaw Jim Duggan. Yeah, that's pretty good. Because I don't know, I just. Kind of like the idea of Gavin running around with a two by four screaming. Oh, is he? Uh, is he level three or level two? Do you guys know? Gavin? Yeah, three. Okay. Are there any RCs that are level two? I am unaware. Oh, Rick was level two, and he was the RC for Canada. That's what I was asking. Ah, but I don't. I don't think. I think he was the only one. Well, speaking of level two, our level two uh, playmats are coming out. Hey, look a segue that worked. <laughs> In the not-too-distant future, but also, with the playmat, they announced that they're going to be mailing out a special thing. They didn't really tell us what it is or anything about that, but they tell us we got something coming. I'm going to guess a judge foil, if I had to guess. Uh, possibly. Has it been about uh, a year since Dark Confidant? It has been about a year since Dark Confidant. Yeah, and this is going out to all certified judges. Uh, you just have to make sure that you have your mailing address up to date on the, the Personal Information Center. The easiest way I get to that is go to the Judge Center and then click on Personal Information Center or something like that. I think it's I think it's just if you do web app mm-hmm. dot dot so web app dot wizards dot com, you will go to the screen where you log in, update your for, personal information. For those of you that used to track your old rating before we had Planeswalker points, it's the same website you used for that for updating your information. It's webapp.wizards.com. Yep. And one little quirk about it is when you go to view your address, it actually blanks out your address. This is for privacy concerns, I suppose. I don't think that's what it's for. That's what they say. This is for – that's for we don't have, you know, the the highest – This uh, is a 2012 setting of, yeah. yeah. Really? Yeah, that's all Come I have on. to say. That's, that's all that – I agree. This is why also on the judge page on the Wizards website, we have Jared Silva wearing the zebra stripes <laughs> to video. Well, it's like, I mean, there's just so many programming errors throughout it. Like, even on Moto, like, Cavern of Souls doesn't even work right, for crying out loud. So, they just, the programming is bad all around. Yeah. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry, I don't mean to complain about Wizards, but I'm going to, in this aspect, I'm going to complain about Wizards. We have tools uh, that are awful. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Like, now, judge tests don't show Oracle all the time. Uh-huh. Well, not to mention the fact that you have to, in order to print a judge test correctly, you have to use an outdated version of the Safari browser. Yeah, that too. Yeah, everything's bad. But anyway, those of you out there, make sure you have your addresses up to date. <laughs> Just don't be thrown off if it's blank. That's what I'm trying. What I was trying to get at there. Okay. But yeah. Oh, and there's something something about like if you've changed your country, you have to call Wizards customer support. Oh yeah. Little Wizards customer support. You can't just so, update it. Yeah. So, so wait, if you mean is it supposed to be, say United States or Uruguay? Oh, sure. oh, you you are you're you're miserable. <laughs> so for those of you who have to put things into Word, um. I don't know if you realize this, but all uh, it's an off by one error, isn't it? Like every yeah, the, every 
everybody's one country lower than the country that they really are. So we're all in Uruguay right now. Yep. So, so there was this problem New where... Smyrna, you're a Uruguay. So all, everybody in the United States was shipped over to Uruguay in, in Wizards of that Require. And in, instead of fixing this, they fixed it by making the default country Uruguay. <laughs> yeah, that is what happened. Very helpful. Very helpful. Thank you. Now I can't look people up by state and may never be able to again. I, I don't I don't really understand that at all. <laughs> I, I don't understand a lot of it. Like, there's there's got to be some part where it's like, hey, we're going to push out a patch, and then you realize that the patch didn't work, where you can just be like, we're just going to undo that. <laughs> well, the rumor mill is that there's a new version of where this being designed for, like, Grand Prix and stuff, since DCI Reporter doesn't work anymore. And that's... I'm hoping that once that happens, like, that will also push some updates to the regular version. Oh, you mean when when they have to were they have to enter everyone as being from Uruguay and stuff like that 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 might drive bug fixes since <laughs> it's so highly publicized and okay. Yeah, but speaking of Uruguay, we had GP Atlanta like over a week ago, which is in Uruguay it now, is. according to Were. It's in Atlanta, Uruguay. Atlanta, yep. Uruguay. Yep, Mr. Schrader was there. Yes, I, I was. was there. Uh, it was. A pretty smooth event, I think. Yeah, I think it overall went uh, pretty well. Is this because or despite you guys were there? Despite. <laughs> yeah, totally <laughs> despite. Um, the, the the round turnaround times were kind of long. You know, like we had multiple, uh, multiple times where we had over 10 minutes in turns. And I mean, it was it was literally just things like, you know, uh, I was one of the teams doing end of round and it'd be like, what's going on at table 57? It's like high tides trying to go off. Mm-hmm. So it's like every round. And then we kind of started to have this discussion where it's like, if we added an extra 10 minutes to every round, like if we made every round 60 minutes, would we still have the same problem of, you know, high tide trying to go off in turns? And I think I think we just came to the conclusion of it really doesn't matter when the turn when how long the round is it's always going to be you know someone who at the end is just going to try and go for it and yeah struggling and having problems and but I hate high tide you know I, I think we should talk about the uh, the team structure a little bit for GP Atlanta because that was the first time I've ever had an event like that is that was that your first Brian where there's a Billion there, trillion teams. There were ten teams. Nine. Well, nine. Well, oh, okay. If you, count, if you count the coverage team, which sure. was, was Ryan just steal. I think it was Ryan stealing from other teams. Yeah. Oh, see, it took me a second. I thought you were talking about player teams. Oh. Because you know I've got GP San Jose coming up, which is oh, actually yeah. a team event, and we still don't know how that's going to work. So. No. That uh, took me a second there. Yeah. So we had very very specialized teams for this one, which seemed awkward to me at first, but I think it kind of worked out in the end. Uh, like, for example, I was on the results slips team, and that's all we cared about was results slips. We didn't put up pairings. We didn't handle anything else. We just that's very focused. Hon- yeah. Honolulu did did something. Toby did something kind of odd where he, he took every, ju- or every judge and assigned him on a two-man team, mm-hmm. and that two-man team was responsible for a particular task. Uh, not doing the task, but making sure it got done. Right. So it's like I was the end-of-round team, one half of the end-of-round team, and my job was to make sure that end of round got done. Didn't matter who did it. And, you know, there was also, like, the deck checks team. And they just they just recruited whoever. You know, they just walk up. What are you doing now? Oh, you're end of round? Well, you're not busy right now. You're helping me do deck checks. And they would just steal you. Yeah. And, and I guess this was kind of similar to that, only, you know, uh, uh, 
more assigned, more structure, uh, uh, you know, less fluid in, in people switching jobs and switching roles. I didn't spend a whole lot of time doing that stuff, though. I, I was busy yeah, throughout the day. You were judge managing. My event was so different from everybody else's. I tried to force a mall to stay open. <laughs> so on Saturday at about 3.30, uh, one of the judges comes up to me and says, hey, Brian, are you aware that the mall, there's a mall like attached to the hotel with a big giant food court. Are you aware that the mall's closed tomorrow? And it was immediately like, what do you mean the mall's closed tomorrow? And it was like, the mall's closed tomorrow. Uh, okay, so make a few phone calls. I learned that the Dairy Queen sometimes stays open when there's large events. Uh, so I talked to the, the manager of Dairy Queen. He is actually willing to keep his store open, his, his shop open on Sunday. If we can convince the mall to mall security to allow people in. And those conversations with the mall did not go well. <laughs> they, they were just like, we don't care. We don't care how many grubby magic players you're sending into the mall, which I was actually kind of excited about being able to say that I, because it's Dairy Queen, right, DQ? I was really excited about saying that I DQ'd all of day two at a GP. So this is what you meant by trying to DQ all yeah, of day two. Yeah, yeah. I tried to DQ all of day two. <laughs> yeah, I guess whoever wrote the travel guide should have been aware of that. Yeah, whoever yeah. wrote the travel guide whoever should have been aware of that. The travel guide. <laughs> Particularly because they mentioned we had that a we, we had a similar problem in Salt Lake City because in Salt Lake City almost everything is closed on Sunday. Yeah, like it, it was so bad that we found one subway some miles away that was open, and they just didn't have enough food for all of the staff for the GP. Right. Uh, it, it was awful, and and I, I'm just surprised that there isn't more foresight on whoever should have that foresight's part to make sure that there's going to be a place for judges slash players to eat on day two of these events. Like I, I had just no assume, idea. right? This place closed. Like it's in downtown Atlanta. We don't, you know, we're not out in West new Smyrna or something. These things should stay open. And, and I think I've only been there during dragon con and I'm pretty sure it's open on Sunday during dragon con. So I think that's yeah. why I didn't know. You got any, any cool stories, Brian? Uh, so, so in the uh, Friday night at the team's team team lead meeting, uh, Scott Marshall talks to the team leads and gives them the the spiel about you know watch for slow play. If if you think it's slow play, you know it. You, you know if you're watching a match and you think it's slow play, it's probably already been slow play. You know, and he was going on. Uh, he he mentioned how you know slow play rarely ever gets uh, overturned on an appeal just because and he trusts us all that kind of thing, and then. When he gave the debrief uh, uh, Saturday night, he's like, uh, we had two uh, overturned slow plays today, <laughs> which I thought was kind of funny because he'd mentioned he's like, hardly ever gets overturned. We had two today. Yeah. Um, what were the circumstances surrounding the overturned slow play? Do you know? I believe it was, uh, and this is, I know one. I'm not certain of the other, but I think they were both. Deck, uh, Deck Check's team was waiting for them to present, and they they exceeded the three minutes for uh, for pre or it was like right on the line. Why would you overturn that? Yeah, I honestly I wouldn't. I think but... I think like one of the situations was like one guy presented at like 255 and the other guy presented at 305, 
Like, so one guy got it and the other guy didn't, and it was like 10 seconds difference. Yeah, my uh, as I understand it, part of the concern was when they gave the slow plays, they never cautioned them in the beginning. They never, ah, like, that was it. Yeah, that was also it. at two and a half so, minutes, you know. So hey. I've been having this discussion with some judges actually specifically about this. There is no, like, support for caution on slow play, but we do it all the time. Yeah. We and like it's become first. it's become policy to give a caution before you give a slow play warning, but it's not actually policy to give a caution. You just give a warning according to the policy. And and I feel that like if we don't have this caution thing set up first, a lot of judges would be too too scared to give the slow play warning. And I I think that the best way to fix that, and this is just my opinion, would be to actually change the policy, the upgrade path for slow play to be warning, warning, game, or, uh, yeah, two warnings and then a game loss. And that way the first warning, instead of a caution, we could just give them a first warning and then we'd have a record of it because what ends up happening is the same guy ends up getting 50 million cautions for slow play and nobody knows about it. Yeah, that's true. Now, now one thing is though, under philosophy for slow play, it does say, um, <clears throat> a player may be playing slowly without realizing it. A comment of, I need you to play faster is often appropriate and all that is needed. Further slow play should be penalized. So that's where the caution philosophy comes from. I understand. I understand that, but at a large event like a GP, you're yeah. never going to get. You're, you're, you might see that, but you're not going to be able to follow up with that player. Some other Correct. judge is going to see that player later. If you sit down to watch a match, okay, and you just and they're they they go into the tank and they're spending a little bit too much time. I need you to make a play. Sure, they're going to play, and if they're going to continue to play slowly, then they are, and then you just go ahead and give them the warning. Well, so okay? here's my problem. Here's my problem with the caution philosophy, though, is now mm-hmm. both players are denied the extra turn that comes along with the penalty. That's fair. Like, so, I mean, if I'm playing in a big event and my, my, a judge encourages my opponent to play faster, I ask for the extra turns because it's obvious the judge thinks that my opponent is playing slowly. The, the, the policy supports me getting ex- an extra turn if we go to time. And that's why I think that we should, we should change it so that the warning is given more often. I know this isn't what we were planning on talking about today. I'm no, sorry. not at all. Slow play like, is not our main topic today, but it's but, interesting. But, yeah, anyway. I just wanted to soundboard that off you guys. Sorry about that. Yeah, no, it's fine. I I, I totally get what you're saying. But back to GP Atlanta, I suppose. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, it's, it's just one of things. There, you know? I want to say one cool thing our judge manager did, that was Brian Pilliman. Uh Well, I thought it was cool at least, was our judge dinner was at Ted's Montana Grill, who was, they were very kind to us, I feel. Yes, they were. Because they stayed open late for us and everything. But anyway, Brian had all the team leads have these little gift cards to to Ted's. So if a team lead saw someone on their staff doing something, you know, cool throughout the day, they got a little gift card to help pay for their meal. Yeah. So I thought that that was pretty cool. No no one had ever done that before at a GP I'd been at. Yeah. It was, for for that standpoint, um, for uh, Orlando... I had talked the the TO into comping the entry for all the judges that got declined mm-hmm. for Orlando. Uh, for Atlanta, I was like, well, I want to try something different. Can I get that money uh, uh, as like a discretionary budget to use uh, at the event instead? And he was like, yes. I was like, okay. So So suddenly then I had a budget for fun stuff. Well, that's pretty cool, and I think other judge managers should take note. Uh, and so what we did was we took – I took that that budget and bought gift cards. Now, one, one little – one thing one – one piece of feedback I got that I, I like more is we actually told the judges that the team leads had these things that they would be giving out. Mm-hmm. And uh, after talking to some other judges, 
I think it would have worked better had it just been a surprise, you know, as opposed to nobody had any clue except the team leads who had these things and just like, here you go. Here's a okay. gift card. Here's a gift card for, for, you know, whatever. All right. So that was, uh, thank you, Mr. Binswanger for that. And I think Kim also had the, the same suggestion. So we'll know to do that better next time. Oh wait, there won't be a next time because it's a surprise. Shh. No, next time. In the future, far, far, far away. So the last little story I have, and maybe you have more, Brian, but uh, if I remember correctly, somebody tried to force of will a ley line that was coming out at the start of a game. I did hear that. Yeah, I never, I wasn't there myself, but I heard that that happened. Here's my question: Do you give game rule violation? Has the game started? Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, you. Yeah, you do. I'm sure you do. Well, because they finish resolving their mulligans and at that point. Yeah, I know. The ley line is the first game action. I know. The problem is if they didn't actually do that. Like, so <clears throat> as an example, like I'm I'm on the play, so I pick up my seven, and without saying whether or not I keep, and my opponent hasn't said anything yet, I just drop a ley line into play, and then my opponent who hasn't said anything yet goes, oh well, in that case, force of will. Like, what do we do then? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess we just assume they all kept, but, like, that's a little bit awkward. Right. So Atlanta was also hot. Yeah. That, I can't imagine that. Atlanta? That was, what, July? Hot? That was one of our hottest weekends, like, ever, though. Uh, I, it was insane. And also, like, I get I get so tired of people making the hot Atlanta joke, but yeah. then it didn't really so help much that this was the hottest weekend we've ever had. Uh, oh, oh, that was awful. Oh, one other thing about Ted's. This was great. Um, because I wasn't exactly sure how long it took to get there. Yeah. I actually asked, uh, we had to go pick up the gift cards. I asked, I asked the, the public events lead if he could spare a judge to go get them. So it's like, here's the gift, here's the money for the gift cards. Go, uh, if you, they should be ready. Go get them. Here's what I want you to do. Here's directions. See if you can follow them. See how long it takes. It should take about seven minutes. I want you to, t- you know, see how long it takes you, and also tell me how many times you are asked for money on the way down. <laughs> and Matt Newman comes back, and he's like, uh, "It took seven minutes there, seven minutes back. Uh, I was accosted five times down and five times back. And like, Great, five. And he's like, "Yes." And I'm like, "Here, you know what? Here's a card." Yeah, it's only like. So I gave him a card for a mile from that, like to the really kind of getting shady parts of Atlanta from where we were. It's my, my one visit that I've that I've had to Atlanta. I think I spent more time talking to people who asked me for money than any individual person like that was even there on my yeah. on my trip. Yeah, I like, try to avoid Atlanta as much as I can. One judge had his car broken into. Like it's just awful. Well, he left his GPS on the dash and parked on the street. Uh, I didn't park street, so that in a way I feel bad, and in another way, uh, yeah, yeah. So, Brian, you got any final stories you want to tell before we move into our main topic? No. Excellent. None that I want to tell publicly. <laughs> That's a hundred percent fair. So, let's move right into our main topic then, which is a topic I know Brian has been wanting to do for a while. And it is bad habits of good level ones. Yes. Brian, do you want to give a summary of what you mean by this exactly? Well, okay. So ba- basically, uh, it's, it, it's pretty much what it, what it says is you, you, you study for the rules, you help your local store out, you become a level one, and you just d- 
develop or maybe you had these bad habits to begin with. And so the goal here is we want to talk about what these bad habits are, uh, identify them, and then maybe give you an alternative thing to do or path to correction. We're not saying that all L1s have these bad habits. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're not saying that, you know, if you have one of the things that you have, if you have one of the habits on this list, that you are a horrible person. No, that's why it's bad habits of good L1s. Yes. However, if you have all of them on this list, maybe you might not be a good L1. A bad um, habit of a bad L1 would be bad to see some cheating and be like, oh, I don't care, whatever. Oh, whatever. <laughs> Cheats is, is fine. So that that was that was basically the the intent is it's like, hey, maybe we can throw some things out there. If you are an L1 and you listen to this and you're like, I can kind of see that I do that, then maybe we can maybe we can help you not. Yeah. So, so where do you want to start? You are, if you're if you're an active L1 and you don't do any of the things on this list, you're probably doing something on this list. <laughs> like <laughs> that's true. That's fair. Like, and you just don't realize it. So, like, and this isn't to be rude, but a lot of times, and this is this is probably something on the list, is that the L1s sometimes don't evaluate themselves correctly, and it's not that they're terrible people. It's sometimes they they don't see what it is they need to improve. That's actually fair. If you don't think that you're doing anything on this list, um, you're probably still doing something on this list. Yeah. So what's on the list? What's the first thing that, that we have that we want to talk about? Because we have a list, but I don't know where we want to start on it, because maybe not at the beginning. I don't know. Uh, yeah, prob- probably. Let's, let's talk about... Um, here's, here's something, here's something, uh, that I've seen, which is now that you're level one, boom, GPTs, I'm going to head judge a GPT, blam. We actually had some, uh, a judge here recently who passed his level one and then the very next week judged a GPT. Okay. Mm -hmm. And it was kind of like a surprise finding out about it because it was like, well, how did they, when they scheduled it, then they said they had a level one, Mm. But the, the the general gist is, you know, when you guys become when when working to become a level one, you know, one of the great exciting things about becoming a, a judge is being able to do things like GPs and PTQs and and GPTs and stuff like that. But uh, and while GPTs require a level one judge, level one judges do not necessarily have the knowledge to effectively run a GPT because GPTs run a competitive and which means they use the the IPG the attraction procedure guide and that is not a requirement on the L1 test yeah yeah if you if you're head judging a GPT you're probably working towards level two which is kind of weird because you don't have to be level two to run the GPT but right so it's it's basically one of one of the things that they did in the whole level level one redefinition is they realized that the you know some large ninety nine ninety eight ninety seven percentage of events are run at regular right so let's make that the focus of the L one test okay because all this infraction procedure guide stuff was a lot of a lot of work it's it's a very dense document it's a lot of learning. And for only one to two to three percent of all events, and so uh, it's been it's been removed. I mean, it's a thirty some odd page document. There's a lot of information in it. And you go, great, this thing I don't have to use, I don't have to know, I don't have to use. Great, I just passed my level one test. Yeah. Now I'm going to go run an event that 
I only have a week to study this 30 page document. And let's be honest, you're probably not. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, so that was, that's, that's one thing. So, so don't jump into it. Find, find other more senior L1s, find some L2s, get on the, the, the Facebook study group, you know, basically just don't try and rush into, into it. You know, we're not saying no, we're not saying you can't just, you know, take, take your time. Run a few a great thing to do that we haven't mentioned yet. If you really want to run a grand free trial and you're an L1, you're super excited about running a grand free trial then get with somebody that has done it before or an L2 in your area, L2 plus, and have them be there at your event with you so so they can teach you what to do. And then even though you might be head judging it, you've got this safety net of what am I supposed to do here? Yep. Um, and, and then and then they can go, oh, well, this is what you do here. And, and they'll know how to, how to help you out. So, in fact, that's even a good thing to do if if, if you are an experienced L1 and this is just your first time running a GPT. That's exactly what you should do. I, I agree. Yes. Yeah, totally. Uh, I've done that for a couple of L1s. And and what that what that also does is if if you rush into if you rush into it and you don't under you don't necessarily understand the the philosophical differences between the competitive and, and the regular RELs, then you might tend to kind of blur the line between them where you start using maybe you use your regular fixes at a competitive level or you know, because you've been working to figure out the competitive stuff. And this, this, you might be using the competitive REL philosophy at regular. I think that's probably more of a problem for level twos, though, is, is trying to apply the philosophy of one rules enforcement level at another rules enforcement level. This is, this is something I've seen L1s who have been L1s for a while do. Yes. Because, because prior to the, the, the level redefinition, level ones had to know all the policies for competitive rules enforcement level for their, for their, uh, level one tests. And some of them that do know this, they sometimes feel like that's still what should be applied at regular REL. And that, that's, that's, it's a less common problem, but I still think it's something we see from people that, that are maybe less active L1s that are good judges, but mm-hmm. maybe not all up to speed on what the changes have been. And, yeah. and they, and they see, oh, here's, uh, you know, somebody missed this trigger at Friday Night Magic. Oh, well, then that person is, you know, they're going to get a warning. And you're like, wait a minute, wait, what, what are you talking about? Oh, well, at regular area, we'll give warnings, right? Because they haven't read the updates in forever. Right. Or they're, they're an L2 that, I, I know this is for L1s, but they, if they're an L2 that just don't do a whole lot of regular events, yeah, uh, that's, that's another way that you might fall into this trap. Yeah, and, and since the judging at regular document doesn't update as much as the IPG, I think it's a little less visible. You know, it's it's a lot easier to stay up to date with the IPG because it updates uh, so often that you, you kind of see it, it's mailed out, people are discussing it. People aren't really discussing the judging at regular because as far as I'm aware, it's pretty set right now. I'm sure there's changes coming one day, but... For now, those guys who passed under the old test or L2s, they just, they're just they just not seeing the jar as much. Right. Right. Um, so I think I think related to that, we have another bad habit of uh, good L1s here is being too lenient with fraud and cheating or collusion and bribery, particularly at regular REL. Uh, and I, honestly, this has been kind of an issue for me, particularly uh, when I was a newer level two. It's, it's hard at regular REL to be like, I need to disqualify this person. Yeah, you know, I mean, usually they're not outright trying to cheat, but they can still. It's also usually somebody that you know, and yeah. so you 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 think, oh, this guy's not a bad guy. 
who just didn't know what he, that he wasn't supposed to roll dice to determine yeah. the outcome of a match. Yep. Uh, and you, you have to get past that hump of, it, it doesn't matter what he did or didn't know. It doesn't matter how nice a guy he is. There are rules, and there are certain rules, and when you break them, you get disqualified. Yep. Or, um, it's, you've been playing, you've been the rules guy at this store, okay? Right. And you just took your L1, and they told you about this thing called the jar, and you know, you read it, and you were like, oh crap, that thing that we've been doing isn't allowed. And then you go back to that store, go back to your environment, and how do you respond to that? Do you, you know, say like, hey guys, we can't do this? You know, what if it's got the TO's support? Because, you know, the TO doesn't want to be there late at night either. Mm-hmm. You know, how do you broach that issue when it's just the way it's done at your store? Yeah. You know, and that, and that, that does put judges into a, an awkward situation, uh, especially new judges who, who aren't necessarily, they don't necessarily have the confidence to be able to address the issue, or maybe they do have the confidence and they, they address it in, in the, you know, one of these other ways that we're going to talk about where you know, hands on hips, finger pointing at the TO, you know, lecture, lecture, lecture. I would say talk to, if, if you have that problem, talk to one of the more senior judges in your area, talk to your RC, you know, get their advice on the situation, uh, as to, as to how to proceed. But you, you gotta be comfortable if you know stuff's, shady stuff's going on. You know, you gotta, you gotta be willing to make sure that your TO understands what you're doing before you do it. Otherwise, that might cause, cause some problems. Yeah. So I think staying in the context of an event, uh, another one we have here is is offering too much information when you're taking a judge call. Now, this one is a little bit, you know, part of it is knowing the difference between competitive and regular. But if you're at regular, I think it's still possible to give too much information. Like you don't want to be playing the game for them, but you also want to be helpful and educational. Right. The the whole the whole friendly aspect of, you know, it's like, hey, you don't understand how trample works here. Let's explain it. Mm-hmm. You know. If you attacked with this guy, then you know you would you would do more damage if you if you assign if you if you assign damage this way. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah, so, so so there's a difference between answering their question something about trample like I don't understand how trample works. What do I do? And then taking that question, answering it, explaining what trample does, and then going. So what you actually want to do is attack with these guys. So when he blocks, he does this. That's right. the point. That's the line you don't want to cross there. Where right. you're actually telling them how to play the game, as opposed to teaching them how to how to right. how the rules work. Yeah. You're teaching them strategy, and that's that's something. If their opponent wants to help them out, uh, or if after the match you want to talk to them and say, "Oh, so here's a cool thing you can do that that's good strategy," that's fine. But we're not supposed yep. to be doing that as judges. And you know, there's there's even the flip side of this of being so paranoid that you're going to give outside assistance that you just answer questions as tersely and as briefly as possible and become, you know, judge robot. Yeah, and and we had a situation at the pre-release where exactly that happened, actually, this last weekend. Somebody tried to prey upon their creature and uh, a mog flunkies, I think it is, can't attack or block alone. Yeah. And and one of the players who did not understand that prey upon didn't make them attack, he he thought that fighting and attacking were very similar in nature. Yep. And uh, 
So he called call the judge and says, well, how, how, how does this work? Well, you know, Mock Lucky's can't attack alone, so, so he can't deal damage, right? And, and he looks at the card, and he looks at the player, and he goes, Mock Lucky's is neither attacking nor blocking. And the player goes, oh, well, what, what do you mean? And he goes, Mock Lucky's is neither attacking nor, and he just kept repeating this because he didn't want to give extra information. And I'm like, okay, this is not a regular RAL. This is not how you handle that. Right. Um, because this player obviously doesn't understand something integral to the game. So yeah, it goes both ways for sure. You, you know, one of one of the things I've noticed about this this list that we've got, there's we we're focusing on you can do it one way if either either extreme. I think you know it's like being too lenient with with uh, or you know offering too much information, not enough information. You know, there's there's two extremes to a lot of the things on this list. Mm-hmm. You know, taking it too far. So I think I think as we go through these, one of the lessons is going to be really just moderation. It's the whole Goldilocks thing. You don't want the porridge to be too hot. You don't want it to be too cold. You want it to be just right in the middle. So like, I totally want to be a Goldilocks judge now. That's mm-hmm. that's a good phrase. No, oh, it's, it's super like, sweet. But no like, like 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 Goldie uh, dunks. Goldie dunks. <laughs> Dunksy locks. Um, <laughs> we derailed Brian. Yes. Okay. Finally. Like, like, here we go. Like, poor, poor, poor opening announcements or none at events. I mean, you can go too far and have too many announcements and just go on too much before you actually get the players to, to start. So with, with poor opening announcements or none, I mean, you, there are some things that you want to, you know, your players at the, at the particular store, but there are always the potential for new players who don't understand things. Yeah. Yeah. So you want to go over, you know, here's how many players, here's how many rounds. If you have any questions, call for me. If you're in a store where you think, you know, rolling to determine a winner might be a problem. If you're in a store where you think bribery and collusion might be a problem, then you can address those. But there's there's a little bit of, even if it's just, you know, introducing yourself and being like, hi, I'm the guy who's going to help you if there's problems. That That's the kind of thing that you want to, you you want to use to build a rapport with your players. Yeah, the, uh, I got a story from the pre-release I was at this weekend, actually. Uh, it's at a store I'd never been to, and basically the way she started it was, everybody come up here, get your packs, then go to sit down and build, and you have 50 minutes. And that's it. And I was like, I mean, for me, that's fine. But there were people there who definitely had, I think they'd just come in through Duels of the Planeswalkers or something. So they had no idea. They didn't know to build a 40-card deck or anything like that. You just, you want to give out, like, the very basic information at regular. We had uh, at one, at the, I think the Besiege uh, pre-release, Ben McDowell was the head judge. He actually, no, it was Todd Palmer. And we actually required players if you open the packs and you get a tezzeret because he was the or a karn please raise your hand and a judge will come by and give you a high five <laughs> you know just just you know maybe things especially at regular just ugh, comments and stuff like that to make things fun and light i mean we're, we, we want to encourage a fun environment so you know show some interest in the players you know, try and make, try and set up a fun environment for them. If you just like CJ said, like some sort of machine that just here are your packs. You have 50 minutes. You may begin. Yeah. Meh. So I think the next one we have, since we're staying in the same general category, uh, it's more for judges judging at a competitive level, like those level one judges. They're probably going to PTQs, things like that. Maybe working towards level two. It is a bad habit to care too much about what your compensation is going to be. And this one's kind of tough to say because, you know, on the one hand, yeah, you're going out there. You're probably giving up a whole day. Uh, you, you're working all day. You're on your feet. It's tough. But in the end, 
you can't be judging solely for compensation or it's just not going to work out. You know? Yeah. So, so this, this is kind of, this is compensation is a, is a, is a toughie mm-hmm. because there, there are, there are people who, you know, judging is it's, it is skilled labor, you know, and so you should be compensated for it, mm-hmm. but ups and, and you, you are perfectly within your right to, request a comp a level of compensation that you feel is fair yeah and if you are not offered that then to say no yeah 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 i should be more clear i'm not saying that you should just be working for free all over the place but you know sometimes you're not always going to get a box for an event or something like that uh sometimes if you want to get out there and get experience in a competitive level you can't always be quite as picky about how much compensation you're going to receive it's it's a it's it's kind of tough you know uh to uh, a number or a value on this uh, mm-hmm. i will i will say that going going above and beyond uh is what gets you recognized by your rc and is what and recognize you know getting recognized by your rc is feeds directly into getting on staff for gps you know more opportunities for larger events that kind of thing so so you know putting in extra work is rewarded maybe not right away so yeah. i wouldn't i wouldn't sweat i wouldn't sweat it all that much you know but definitely you still need to i mean if you if you feel that your time is worth x then you know you are perfectly within your right to request x as long as x is not like $300 to work a day with <laughs> you i wish so uh, and I know this this next one actually applies to me. It, it still sometimes applies. It uh, depends on the situation. But for newer L1s or maybe more experienced L1s, I find that reviews sometimes are an issue. And in particular, writing reviews of more experienced judges. So you get it in your head that these guys are, you know, level two, level three, whatever. They must have it all figured out. There's what could I possibly write a review about? But generally during an event, even level twos, level threes, they're going to mess up somewhere. There's going to be something they can improve on. And uh, if you're writing a review of them, I, you just really need to look for that kind of thing just to tell them. And there's nothing wrong with that. I don't think people in general will be mad if you write a review of them, uh, as long as you're constructive. Yeah. Here, here's a, here's a here's a, a a typical review um, from a from an L1. I, I've I know that most most senior L2s have, have had reviews similar to this. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Ari, you know, strengths, you know, this Judge X did everything awesome. And then areas for improvement, none that I could see. Yep, exactly. I've um, those. Yeah, yeah. I've gotten those and I've given those and you know, I've been trying to improve on that front. So, so that, that's a, that is a, a, I'll say that's not a real super helpful review. I mean, it's it's kind of good from an ego perspective. You're just like, "Hey, I'm awesome." Yeah. Yeah, flawless. But then but then it doesn't really really help from a growth and development standpoint. There's always something that could have been could have been done better, you know. Maybe it could have been like, "Hey, uh I would have liked to have known, you know, X. I wish you'd taken a little bit more time to explain Y with me. Could have put the pairings up a little bit faster." Uh, to get the rounds going, you know, be more careful when entering drops in Wizards Event Reporter because we had the, you know, the the one minute delay or the two minute delay when you had to fix pairings, you know, something like yeah. that. Exactly. Uh, um, it's it is 
extremely rare that someone has a perfect event. And even if it's, you know, even if it's something like, hey, you know, shave, you look scruffy. Well, I wouldn't really put this Yeah, on. I don't know if I would, I, I would I totally know. put that. I'm always scruffy. I'm always scruffy. Well, like, uh, yeah, I guess it's a perspective thing. Like, I spent five years in the military, so, like, I see somebody in a judge uniform, I, ho- I kind of hope they take some pride in that. And, and, and yeah, shave. Unless you have a groomed beard or something, which is fine. But yeah, actually, actually, my wife has noticed that the only times I ever shave are right before I judge, and then I just let it go out, grow out to the next time I, I uh, judge. <laughs> that's, that's the only time I'm like, well, I guess I need to get this one time. I, I'm, I'm similar uh, to that. Like yeah. I, if I'm gonna be putting if I'm gonna be putting a judge shirt on if I'm gonna be you know making announcements at an event or something you know it, it partly has to do with wanting to look nice and it also partly has to do with wanting players to take them seriously. Mm-hmm. If you look like you just you know slept on the street all night, um, then nobody's gonna take you seriously. But if you're shaved and and, and you don't look like you slept in your judge uniform, then uh, it, people will will have more respect for you as as a judge that they can expect to give them the right answer. And this appearance is a really important. I will say that I have planned my haircuts around GPs before. Yeah. statement. <laughs> it's like, oh, I got a GP coming up in three weeks. I should probably get a haircut. Yeah, I do that too. So, so yeah, so so reviews generally, if 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 you see, you know, be specific, provide specific feedback. I noticed you did X. I really liked it because of Y. And maybe even look at your uh, the review that you received for your advancement. I mean, the judge should have, in providing that review, should have said, I noticed this, this, this good things. I noticed this, this, this areas for improvement. And they explained why the good things are good. And they explained why the bad things were or the areas for improvement, why those things need to be improved upon. What, one thing that I've noticed about the ones that I've worked with who haven't worked a whole lot of events, maybe they only worked a few events before they were certified because their knowledge was good or something, um, that when they start to work on events with a staff, they they tend to try and superman through it and like power through and they don't need breaks and they don't need you know they they can do everything yeah that's a great point uh, and, and it, so you don't want them to be strive a hero like that you know like everybody needs a break everybody needs to sit down and eat lunch if if time allows that and it should uh, everybody should have the opportunity to get off their feet for a few minutes and if you're trying to be a hero and not do that you're not only hurting yourself but you're actually hurting the whole event because you aren't being the best judge you can be when you when you're out there on the floor. So don't do that. Don't be a hero. When, when somebody tells you to take a break, do it. When somebody tells you, hey, when you start to get tired, let me know, and you can take a break and sit down for a few minutes, take them up on that. Uh, and too, too many L1s get into PTQs and stuff and just try to power through it, and it doesn't it doesn't work out well. So was, that's, that's, go at, ahead. At, at my very first event, Star City Games event, there were we were having a discussion a judge discussion and some of us were sitting down and some of us were standing up this was before the event started and ingrid came by and she was like how do you tell the smart judges in a group of judges and we was like I don't know. how do you do she's like the smart judges are the ones sitting down and you know that that kind of kind of stuck with me is take every opportunity to you know if you are given an opportunity to take a break you take it because you will get tired yeah and you will start dragging your feet and maybe you'll blow a judge call as a result of not thinking clearly because you're tired or you're hungry or you'll be irritable with a player because you're grumpy because you didn't have your Carl's Jr. breakfast burrito or whatever did you westernize that for Jess Maybe. <laughs> I know I, I, I know what a Hardee's is. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, just, just, I'll say Hardee's <laughs> next time. 
I think you're really showing off your knowledge of uh, Hardy's and Carl's Jr. There, Brian. Oh yeah. So showing, so showing off is is another thing, and that and that kind of goes with demanding attention, I think, because yeah. you're, you're you're basically judging is in a lot of ways a meritocracy, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's this there's this need to get attention because if if I get attention and people know who I am, and this is kind of weird because we tell people, you know, the way you get the way you get events and the way you you know the way you get to work PTQs and stuff like that is, you know, your RC knowing who you are and people knowing who you are. But then then you take that and say, okay, well, the whole philosophy of any publicity is good publicity, and you just start, you know, doing the the showing off and posting things on 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 Facebook and the judge list and stuff like that, and you just basically doing these things that demand attention. Look at me, look at me, look at me. And that yes, that does get you attention. Uh, it's not the kind of attention that you want. Uh, yeah, so, I, and, yeah, I don't think there's anything to add to that. No, it's 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 moderation. Just be solid. If you if you do good work, then people will notice that you do good work, and and that's that's really you don't have to tell people how awesome you are. If you are if you are good, people will notice. Yeah, yeah, I think that's perfect. I guess that means go on to the next topic. I guess. <laughs> I don't know. There's nothing to add to that. Nope. I got nothing to add to that either. You're gonna have fun editing this, aren't you, CJ? Oh, I'm gonna have a blast. Yes. Some something else that I've noticed that some judges do. They they put a lot of it's almost it's almost like being a level one empowers them, you know. To well, you know, I'm a, I'm in in the sense of I'm a level, you know. Listen to what I say. I'm a level one. I know what I'm talking about. Yeah. So and, and putting a little bit too much emphasis on instead of this is what the policy documents say and this is why they say it and this is the correct way to do things. It's you shall do as I say because I am certified level one. Wahaha. I haven't I haven't seen that as much, but I've, I have seen kind of a you know not uh, people not able to admit when they need to learn things uh, which kind of goes along with that that like i know everything attitude yeah i've i've seen i've seen generally i've seen on forums and stuff like that where a, a particular person will be arguing with a with another player and they'll throw out the i'm a judge card yes exactly right. yeah that that happens a lot yeah that's true okay yeah so maybe so maybe i i, I spun it a little little more in city you know more you know mustache twirling you know than i meant but it's the it's the i am i'm right i know what i'm talking about because I'm a level one judge, not, you know, I am right because well thought out and rational. Yeah, because of this rule, this rule, this rule, this line and policy. Yeah, because in in theory, you know, you really don't need a judge level to be right. Right. Oh, you know, I mean, the MTR, the IPG, that stuff's out there for for anybody to read. And, you know, anybody can quote this. This is how this is how uh, price splits work in the in the final round of a single portion of a tournament. Yep. So you don't need to you don't want to, like, beat over players heads. You know, the the I'm a judge. I've studied this kind of thing. Therefore, I know more than you. Yeah. So. Let's say uh, I'm a level one judge. I just passed my test. I'm excited, but I'm done now, you know? I don't need to study anymore. Everything's done. I passed the test. There's nothing left to do. 
Do I have a great attitude? We, oh, until I mean, the, you, until you obviously have a great attitude. Like, yeah. yeah, I'm feeling great. That's, that's, it's, that's great until, it's great until the rules change, and then you're like, right. oh, I didn't know about that. Yes, exactly. The point I, I'm getting at here is that when this is more for the newer level ones, but you can't have the attitude of, hey, I've passed the test. There's nothing left to do now. Uh, being a judge is more than just passing the initial test. You need to, first off, you have to kind of keep up to date on the rules. I mean, the rules change every three months, sometimes not big, sometimes very big. Uh, the jar changes occasionally, You and there's no required retest for maintaining your level, so it's up to you to keep there, up to date. There, there is a reason why there are a lot of, when I say a lot, I mean a few, uh, of I'll, I'll call them rules currency questions mm-hmm. on the on the level one and level two tests, where they're really just they're they they're asking questions about something that has changed recently, and by recently I mean within the last six months to a year. Yeah, yeah, I see those sometimes. Yeah, and and that's you know I mean like like uh, when the M10 rule changes came out and like life link changed from a triggered ability to a static ability. Okay. In a, in a sentence, that's that's a real small s- sentence. Triggered ability to to a, uh, you know to a uh, uh, to another type of ability who's I am blanking on the name of it even though I just said it 20 seconds ago. Static ability. Thank you. I'm leaving wow. that in. I know. <laughs> it's like I just said it and then I realized I was like Tannic, Tannic, ah. There was a lot of there's a that's a pretty significant change. I mean that yeah. meant, that means a lot of things. And you know, knowing that is is pretty significant. So so getting there and then not worrying any any more about the rules, you know, it's like I know everything that I need to know. Great. Probably maybe also believe that tapped blockers deal deal no combat damage. Yep. Wait, what? You don't? <laughs> no. Uh, I got that. Uh, no. I got that. I, I guess the only way it would really work is if you're you know, you're one of the you did not you you knew that combat damage didn't use the stack, and then it did use the stack for a little while, but you never learned it. And then with M10, they changed it back. So I guess you could be blissfully ignorant <laughs> of that change. I I mean I had like there are some things that people just don't know about because they don't pay attention. Like I I had a couple of uh, level one judges that were helping me out at my pre-release this weekend, and uh, they're they're competent level one judges. I've worked with them both before uh, at, at other pre-releases, and they were doing a great job and able to answer all the questions. Uh, and then we had a discussion about a triggered ability, and then I just threw in there, so hey, is this trigger lapsing? And both of them looked at me this just deer in the headlights, like I have no idea what you're talking about. Look, mm-hmm. and uh, one of them goes, "What you mean, like like a delayed trigger?" <laughs> and, and they just hadn't heard about lapsing abilities. They hadn't didn't know anything about this change. But... And uh, it was, but they never they never judged competitive REL events, so they never had a, a need that's to or felt they had a need to. Yeah, I think that's. Um, but they didn't know anything about it at all. And and so if you become an L1 judge and then. One of the problems is that sometimes when you don't learn things about this, players will still come to you before they go to the PTQ nearby and ask yeah. you about these kinds of things. And if you don't know anything about it, you're going to lead them in the wrong direction. Oh, that's a good point. Right. right. Like, like if a player comes up and is just asking you, it's like, so do I have to remind my opponent of this at the PTQ? And you're, if you're, uh, yes. Right. Why wouldn't you? And it's like, oh well, you know, this whole IPG thing and uh, IPG. What's that? 
Yeah. <laughs> although, although with currency, uh, if you, if you lag behind by a few weeks, you might be saved. You know, like the whole swirl of the December IPG. That's true. Yeah. Where it was there, and like it's like woohoo, new IPG. Read it, read it, read it. Oh, it's gone. So is Brian, it bad? Is it sad that like I don't actually read them until like a day before the effective date now? Like uh, no, most of no. Them. unless we're gonna unless we're gonna do a test cast episode about it, I actually don't read the IPG until a couple days before it's effective because I just feel like they're gonna change it. I don't I don't like getting that stuff in my head unless right. un- unless I need to call out specifically. You know, hey guys, I know some of you might have heard the new IPG is out and it has this specific change in it. Well, that's not effective until next weekend, so don't none of you try. You know, like well, you the, know. the whole lapsing trigger thing came out. That was, you know, guys, this weekend, you know, we are using the the, the old IPG. You are still required to do this. Yeah, that happened. Yes. Yeah. But like another thing is if there's something massively changing like that, they're gonna let you know on the judge list, right? Like, <laughs> segue. Yes, they will let you know on the judge list. <laughs> All right, well, I guess we'll talk about the judge list a little bit. But see, I set it up, and then everybody laughed. Like, what's that? What's that about? It's because I can't let I can't let a segue go unmolested. <laughs> uh, so we see uh, we. No, I was about to say we could probably do a whole episode on the judge list, but we do see some some bad habits on the judge list. Uh, honestly, a lot of these kind of apply to L2s as well. Yeah, they do. But still worth going over. Uh, the first one we have marked down here is to uh, going to the judge list before looking up the answer for yourself. And what that means is there's this thread of whatever going on, and you just reply with whatever, I guess, your opinion is on the situation. But Well, also asking a question, like posting a question to the judge list that's already been answered like five times on the judge list. Yes, because absolutely. You because you didn't take the time to search the archives, or you didn't even take the time to look up the, the, the gatherer rules tips on the card, you know, which already answered the question. Yeah, I don't see it happen too often nowadays, but I have seen in the past where people ask a question and it's like literally an example in the IPG. Right. And it's like, okay. So, so I mean, in, in one respect, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of posts that say like, hey, I was at this local event and there were several of us and we had a discussion about why, you know, those, those are, those are, those are fine. Mm-hmm. Hopefully, hopefully, because if it's a discussion with several judges, then someone will be able to point out it's like, hey, we're talking about an example that's in the that's that's here, you know, and it can point you towards the answer. So if you've already had the discussion with several other people, there's possibility that, you know, it it, it, it hasn't been covered already. But I would probably run run by, you know, if you've got a question, run it by somebody else. You know, if you're if you're not gonna if you're not going to check the archive, which you should anyway, just run it by one of the the more senior senior judges in your area because it might you might be able to save a whole lot of uh, time and trouble. Mm-hmm. Just you know, just by shooting them an email or a Facebook message. And and you know what? Related to that is if you have an idea for say a project or a way to improve the judge program, do the exact same thing. Like run it by someone else, maybe someone who's been in the judge program a little bit longer than you, because uh, a lot of times, if you have an idea for any project, uh, the project's probably already going on, and you can jump on and help. But if you have ways to improve it, uh, it doesn't help a lot to be like, even though we did it this episode, to be like, hey, the judge center should show 2011 and 2012 its years for the reviews. 
Uh, it doesn't help at all to just say that because the high-level judges are already aware of it. We don't need that sent out to the mailing list. We don't need that. Really, doesn't need to be brought up anymore. There's already a feedback submitted for that. Uh, we are. And you don't you don't want to clog up the chain of of things people like need to know or they. Uh, the, the, you know, the judges is kind of a news thing, and you don't want to spam people's mailboxes with, hey, this thing everybody already knows about is broken. Yes. So, speaking of things everyone already knows about that's broken, another thing not to do on the judge list, this is terrible, that was a terrible segue, is to uh, ask for official answers to corner case scenarios. Just things that almost never happen. I think, I think this is, even this goes beyond just judge list. It's this obsession over corner cases and yeah. L2s and L2s have it too. There, there is this, this, there, you know, the policy of, of 30 pages, it can't cover every, every scenario. There are people who, there are players who pose questions to judges where they try and quote unquote break the IPG. Yeah. So they come up with these, they come up with these corner cases where things don't, uh, things don't apply. And, they just, they just, what do I do? What do I do? There's got to be an answer for this weird, bizarre situation of, you know, what, what was the, the one that I was guilty of like a year and a half ago was I mind slaver. We're playing an event. I mind slaver you. Okay. So I'm controlling your turn. Then I tell you to do something during your upkeep. Then I tell you to draw for turn. You draw for turn. I do stuff during your draw step. And then I tell you to draw for turn again and you draw. <laughs> Who gets drawing extra cards? And that was that was the the that was my L one stupid upset corner case obsession. I'm over that now. But <laughs> pretty funny though. It, it is kind of funny. You know, the 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 policy documents can't cover every single situation. That's why there's also philosophy and you know, at, at certain events we have we have head judges who are generally more more experienced so that they can apply that philosophy to the things where we don't have neat, clean, documented ways of handling that, handling the situation. But when you when you look at these documents and you're like, well, the rules all tell me concrete specifically, and that's where you come at it. You come at it from from the rules, and the rules seem to be able to handle every single situation, every single case. And then you get into this policy where these there's 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 these squishy bits, and you know, and dealing with like player communication and the infinite number of ways that players can do weird and bizarre things that create these scenarios that the rules don't cover, and you've got to you've got to rely on policy. And so they need to know what do I do? What do I do? What do I do? The amount of you, they're never going to come up. Yeah. So don't 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 sweat it. Just don't just don't worry about it. Uh, at the GP, Dan Stevens was asking a question about if somebody put a card in the anti zone and then like swore up and down it was in the anti zone and then like what do you do if they put it there illegally and all this stuff and it's like these things just don't happen. Don't worry about it. That was his crazy corners case scenario. I mean, there's there, there's there's something to be said for discussions about mm-hmm. them, but don't obsess over the fact that there is not a concrete sentence in GR the way of handling GRV that that points you to uh, uh, this specific conclusion. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. We want to talk about you know more 
things that are more likely to come up for people at events. You know, these corner cases are not things that are going to come up most of the time. And we want to make sure that, that the stuff that gets talked about is the stuff that is going to come up most of the time that people can use. Yeah. I, I guess I guess a rule of thumb is, remember when you're posting the judge list, you're posting to about 3,000 people. So is right. it something that 3,000 people need to know? Yes. And are you are you actually posting new stuff? Like... We had an email thread today that was 36 emails. Mm-hmm. Okay. I kind of stopped reading them after like the first seven. Oh. <laughs> well, no, I actually, um, so it, it started, it got very, very quickly to the point of, you know, Judge A saying something, Judge B disagreeing, Judge C restating what Judge A said slightly differently. Yes. And and it's it's when you – so I would say before you post, read what other judges have written so that your post isn't just like a me too kind of post. Yeah, because that's not beneficial. No, I, I actually, and this is this is, at <laughs> just as encouragement. Here are my rules for reading judge list. <laughs> these are these are my personal rules. If it's written by, uh, I always read the first first email in the thread. I read any replies to that thread written by an L three or higher. I read any replies to that thread written by an L two that I know, and then I read any replies to that thread written by L ones that I have an interest in, and then other than that, I just delete them. Yeah, because because really it's it is it's it's just it's it's a lot of it, it's a lot it's a lot. Yeah, we, yeah, we just don't need repeating stuff all the time. This uh, this might be more of a, a thing personal to me, but well, first off, there are rules for the mailing list, and they're linked at the bottom of Scott Marshall's like every one of his posts, and I think they're in like most of the mailing rules mailing list posts too, but. Uh, the one specific I want to talk about is that there are specific rules for how your signature is supposed to look. Basically, it's supposed to be your name, your level, and you know where you're from briefly in everyone's I signature. Just, I didn't know this. I know a lot of people don't know that. I don't think so. I think that bothers me more than most people. But bad, bad habits of good L2s. Yeah, I didn't know. Oh, <laughs> yeah, that's what you're supposed to be doing. So a good L2. So you know, a few people could start doing that. That'd be great. Well, I would, you know, the, the specific thread you mentioned today, we had basically, you know, uh, what well, was effectively an O answer, something like 10 messages in. Yeah. And, and then there were another like 16 messages, or no, like, like 26 messages after that. And it's like, why do, why, why are we still arguing about this? Like, there was a very clear answer. Why do we need to keep talking about it? And, and why am I, why is my phone buzzing every five minutes when I get an email about something we've already decided about? All right. You know what? I think, some level ones might not know who the official sources are. That is a very good point. Yeah, they might not know. So first off, Scott Marshall, when he replies, you know, he's generally giving an official answer. If any level five judge replies, that's Jason Jason Limbs. That is uh I'm blanking. Jason actually did say that the key to success in the judge program is having a cool nickname. <laughs> Yeah, that works. Just saying. And uh, Ricardo Tessitore, those are the four level five judges we have. And then a lot of times, too, a, a level four might give a an official response. On the ma- on the rules mailing list, uh, the net reps all can give official responses. Technically, they're the only ones who can respond anyway, but that's that's Daniel K. K. And yes. no one else that I'm aware of. 
Tessitori. Something French. Yes. Very good. <laughs> no, I was just saying is Daniel K. His last name was pronounced Tessitori. Because it's the only, it's one of the few foreign judges whose last names I can pronounce. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's a joke. Ha ha. I, 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 now I'm the one turning the page and joining the rescue. Okay, got it. <laughs> All right. So, okay. Let's do a couple last ones here about, that apply more to new L1s. And uh, then let's wrap up this, this segment. Okay. Uh, Brian, you wrote for this one, you know, being worried about the ding. The ding. The ding. All right. So, yeah, so this is the ding, the level up, the the getting thing to level. There's there's basically getting at level one, and the second you get level one, so when can I test for level two? When can I test for level two? You know, there are in each level level one level two level uh, three there's there's areas for growth i mean you have a new level one an experience level one a new level two an experience level two okay and you want to acquire the the experience and in a lot of ways the stuff that you learn as a level one can't really be rushed uh, there is no time limit between when you can take the level one test and when you can take the level two test, but there is stuff that you learn being a level one that uh, you can't really rush. It's, it's in a way, it's almost like you know a, a, a woman being pregnant. You know, you can't really rush the baby. Yeah, you know, it's going to take however long it takes. And in, in a sense, it's kind of it's it's kind of like that as far as getting towards level two. I mean, you you want to go through and learn the stuff that uh, a new level two should know how to do, as opposed to just trying to rush through and power through it and being so obsessed over the stuff that you get when you get the next level that you don't that you don't stop to kind of learn the stuff that you should learn as an L one. Yeah, there's a reason level two exam has an interview also. I mean, it may not be a big formal, you know, four people in a room interview, but there is something there where you you have to be kind of approved to be like, yeah, this guy is ready for level two. So. And it's not just granted. It has happened before that that's, you know, you can pass the test and then be told you're not going to be a level two because for whatever reason, they don't feel like you'd make a good level two judge. So like just just being able to do well on the test is not necessarily a guarantee that you'll be a level two. So you want to make sure you have the knowledge and experience and maturity, for lack of a better yes. word, mm-hmm. to, to, to be a level two. Yeah, um, there, there are in Not that we're mature. <laughs> no, I, I put a on the GP kit. <laughs> uh, you asked me to edit that out. I did. And you're going to edit this out, too. Uh, oh, uh, you can leave it. You can leave it. Just edit the word yeah, okay. I, put a, edit, I put a blank in the GP kit. You told me to edit that out. All right. <laughs> yeah, so so I would I would say that probably now it's there's a difference between having goal and we get back to a theme about moderation. I mean, it's it's one thing to to have a goal of I want to work GPs, I want to work towards that goal, and then there's also the the obsessing over and pushing through and rushing before you're ready to to go do it again it's, it's sort of like you know running a gpt the week after you make l1 yeah okay it, back full circle and why are you doing that well because it's on the checklist for l2 yeah yeah exactly right okay no because that's that's you're just rushing through you're just going through the motions really you're just marking off things on your list as opposed to taking the time to do things properly 
and that's that's not going to be received well by uh, the the L3 interviewer who's interviewing you for L2. And then finally, I'd, I'd actually say a little bit of decorum in public forums. And this is this is not necessarily just judge list, but this is also things like Facebook and stuff like that. Some judges, when they become a, a level one, and then all of a sudden maybe they get a comment, you know, it's like, hey, you're your homophobic slurs on your Facebook wall, uh, you might want to tone that down a little bit because now you're, you know, you're a judge and you're seen as a leader in the magic community. That might not be such a good thing. Yeah. Yeah. Who are you to tell me what I can and can't say in a public forum? <laughs> really? Are you going to argue? Are you going to argue that it's, it's a good idea to post that kind of stuff? Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, uh, that just comes with the territory of being a judge. You, you know, you start to represent the judge community at, at a minimum. I mean, you might not be representing all of Wizards of the Coast or anything like that, but you're representing the judge community. And uh, once you start representing the judge community, well, that affects me, and I start to care about what you're doing yeah. on the internet. And it, and it is players look at players look at what you're doing, and because you're a judge, it adds a little bit of it adds legitimacy mm-hmm. to it, you know. So just be be aware of of there is an increased weight or perception to your words or perception of weight to your words. So don't abuse it. Yeah. All right, great. Uh, did you have anything final you wanted to add to that? Raven Fox, Raven Fox, Raven, Raven Fox, Fox, Raven Fox. Raven. This this topic was so much more of a downer than I expected it. Yeah, I, I was going to, I was going to spend a minute talking about that. Like we're not trying to be like we all you know bash on the level ones, blah blah blah, but we're trying to help uh, level ones who may do these things improve. And I hope that came across <laughs> instead of us just complaining. I don't know. I don't know if it did. Well, we tried. CJ will fix it in editing. I'll just fix it in editing. It'll sound great. Yo, what this is, is these are all things that great L1s do. You know, all of us have at some point uh, done some of these. In fact, I think that that CJ and Brian and myself uh, have probably done everything on this list at some point. I've done a lot of Uh, things. Collectively. I I think of myself as a new level one on IRC, and it's just embarrassing, and I hope no one has the logs, because I was just, I was speaking up way too much. I was just... All over the place, just being like, now, "Hey guys, now, look at me." Uh, now I'm gonna check that. My my big. Fun. Well, let's 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 maybe maybe close this out with out of this list. What what do you think was your biggest the thing that you were the biggest offender of? Who are, who are we talking to here? Are we talking to me or yeah, CJ? Sure, you, you know. CJ. I'll answer it too. I'll go first. Well, I mean, I said collectively. I actually meant you too. Oh. You know, I I no, I'm oh. kidding. <laughs> my my biggest my biggest thing was. The, I'm gonna say it was the showing off. It was the it was the whenever there was a, a question out there, like a policy question or a rules question or something like that. It was like ooh ooh ooh, I know the answer. Blah blah blah. Boom boom boom. Here you go. Here you go. And it was it was I very much, at least in my opinion, I crowded out others from being able to to participate. And I think one of the big shifts was when I realized that I didn't have to be. First, I didn't have to prove that I could answer it faster than other people and more correct than other people. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I realized that I didn't have to do that anymore, you know, that that in a lot of ways shifted my perception, allowed me to get past that. Yeah. So I think I think for me is it it's like I was just saying uh, on IRC, I feel like I was kind of embarrassing because I I had just become level one or I, I was even like level zero and I was still studying for level one and I'd hang out in the MTG judge room and uh, just. I didn't need to be talking all the time. I, I'm trying to think of the kind way to say this. 
uh, I, I was just, you know, there's this this big community, and I was like, I want to be a part of this, you know. I want people to know who Siege Steak is. And I, I could have cooled it a little bit, you know. I could have just participated when it was good for me to participate, but I didn't need to be participating all the time. So demanding, demanding attention? Yeah, I probably am guilty of that. But now oh, I have a podcast for attention. <laughs> yeah, and now <laughs> we have a podcast. So for me, there's a few things that really stand out, uh, and some of them are still things I'm bad at. Uh, reviews are a great example of this. I, I have a bad habit of, of not giving timely reviews. So I, I'll often still give a review, but it will be significantly after the fact just because I finally got around to it. And that's, uh, that's something I really need to work on and get more timely about. And the other thing is, Jess, uh, Jess, Jess hasn't realized that there's a date bug yet. His reviews are <laughs> 2010. Yeah. So, uh, the other thing, the other couple of things is one is correcting others. Like, for a while, right after I became an L1, I tried to find rules, questions that would stump the people that, that were more experienced than me, just simply for the purpose of stumping those people. Yeah. And uh, so I, I was trying to, you know, make myself look smart by making them look dumb. And that's not what you do. That's not how that works. And that's not how you accomplish that. And I kind of had to learn that the other way. And that falls hand in hand with not being able to admit or, or understand when you're wrong about something. Sometimes I would be doing something the wrong way. And somebody might even tell me I was doing it the wrong way, but just right over my head. Yeah. Uh, because, because I was convinced that I was doing things right. Uh, and, and so being able to listen to people who have been more experienced when they're telling you that you're doing something wrong. And going, okay, I'm doing this wrong. This doesn't mean I'm a terrible person. This doesn't mean I'm a terrible judge. What this means is they are interested enough in me as a good judge to tell me, do this better, so I should do this better. You know, to follow up a little bit on what you said a little earlier, is uh, if you want to sound smart when answering a rules question, answer the rules question right, but then also explain how you reach that answer. I, I think that helps you sound like you you kind of really know what you're doing, and this is what a level two is expecting of you anyway. What I really like to do... <laughs> And sometimes this is great because it, it's, it's, you know, a teaching tool. And sometimes it's great because it's actually a learning tool. This is someone in a group of judges that I am in asks a rules question. I go, oh, that's a great question. And look at somebody else for the answer, which has the benefit of, of both, you know, letting somebody else answer the question. And at the same time, if I don't actually know the answer, I don't have to admit I don't know the answer. Oh, so, oh sneaky. Look at you. <laughs> Look I'll at let you. somebody else answer it. Cheats. And then I ask the question that the pleasure of explaining it if the other guy gets it wrong, right? So DQ, DQ fraud. Look at you. <laughs> but no, I, I actually learned a lot just by listening to other people talk about rules and stuff. You know. What about you, Brian? I I I was always yeah, like I said, I was always one of the guys that that like tried to tried to jump in and answer the 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 questions, and really I should have just kept my mouth shut more. The the other the other thing I think so when I started I was too lenient on you know when my gut said that I felt the person was cheating I didn't have my my CSI crime lab I didn't have my fingerprints I didn't have my smoking gun you know I didn't have enough evidence to convict him Yeah uh, this is this is a show in and of itself right here Right right but that so, that, yeah. that was something that was something that that. I feel that when I started out, I was more reluctant to pull the trigger and DQ somebody than I am now. Okay. Yeah. And it's still, it's still, it's still an issue with me, you know, working on it. You know, yeah. I, I just need to get out there and DQ some more players. Well, you tried to DQ day two of the GP and it just didn't work out. I know. I figured that would have gotten me over the hump. Yeah. All right. Wow. Okay. So 
Are we done with bad habits of good old ones? We are done. We, we are done, and we'll probably think later of stuff to add, so... Yeah. Uh, you know, Jeez. that's just the way that works. We'll do good habits of good old ones. Clean up trash. Pushing chairs. <laughs> Make announcements before the event begins. Show confidence when you give a ruling. Okay. <laughs> well, the announcements thing is what I was I was awful at. Like, like I never prepared my announcements ahead of time for a long time, and it just it just sounded awful. But you should definitely give good announcements. It's so important. Yeah. Yes. Uh, right. You know, one thing good L1s would do is uh, enter our contest we have going on right now. Yes. Good L2s would end this topic. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, contest reminder. Dun, dun, dun. Uh, so the contest is for a Judge Foil Vendillion click. I think we should probably go through... Wait, wait, wait. Not, not a batter skull? Uh, no. Oh, oh it's, oh, it's a click. Okay, I get it's it. It's a Vendillion click. Because <laughs> we don't have a Judge Foil batter skull. If we did, it would be that. But, um, so the, the contest is uh, post a picture to our Facebook wall of you giving a judge a hug in the context of the judge doing something judgely. So no, like, harassing him at dinner or at the grocery store or something like that. Or posting a um, picture of the judge was... as a kid. No, that's fine. Your dad, your dad is totally getting injured. I find that. <laughs> so, so one thing that was brought up to me by somebody that was listening to our last show uh, was, was that we should clarify something about this. This is a contest for you hugging the judge. This is not a contest for you assaulting a judge. <laughs> so, so everyone in this picture should be happy. This is not. Eh. No one should be uncomfortable because of this contest, unless your eh. name is Hayashi. Okay, okay, uh, that's fair then. <laughs> Very fair. So I was I was at GP Atlanta. I was in the middle of in a in a two on one with with Kim Warren and Daniel K, and just all of a sudden I just get like tackle hugged from behind. Nice. And, I just continue on having my two-on-one discussion, not even, like, looking around behind me. And then the hug stops, and the guy runs off. And I kind of was like, who was that? And they were like, uh, I think it was a photo op of some sort. And I'm like, okay. And I didn't even know who it was until later the picture gets posted on Facebook. And, and the confused look on Kim's face is priceless. Yeah. She's just looking at the camera like, what the F is this? And honestly, I think we might want to give one a, a single discretionary point to that one because I I just like the the just confusion on their faces. Uh, yeah. Uh, I've also had a few judges inform me that they've also been hugged as well, and they didn't really understand why, and the players eh. really explain it to them. They just like hug them and snap their photo. <laughs> So, uh, they haven't posted them yet. Yeah, they haven't posted them yet. No. So, to be clear, if you judge, uh, if you hug any random judge, you're going to get one entry into this contest. If into you a hug, random, random drawing. To a random drawing. If you hug a judge that is a current or former host of JudgeCast, so that's Sean Catanese, Jess Dunks, Brian Pillman, CJ Trader, and Jose Boveda, you are going to get three entries. If you hug yes. Ricky Hayashi, you will receive five entries because you are risking your life by doing so. Isn't like hug so much. And as of last time I heard, I don't think Ricky is aware this contest is going on. Uh, he he maybe is. I, I mentioned in IRC, <laughs> uh, and he and he yeah. So so yeah. So right now there are only three uh three entries. Mm-hmm. And the fact that your dad posted a picture of hugging you when you were, like, three is so adorable. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, it is. <laughs> and the fact that he, 
the fact that your dad listens and what is it? Does he want the million click or was he just trying to embarrass you? I think he's just trying to embarrass me because he listens, think... but he doesn't know how to play. So I think that man needs a million click just because. So yeah, so this contest is going to go until we have enough entries. Yes. Because <laughs> yeah, so posted. What is enough entries? More than what we have. Okay. And also, if your picture is, is cre- creative or, I don't know, just special in any way, we have we can give it extra points if we feel like it. That's just totally up to our discussion. Yeah. This is so subjective. And then you can answer a big Harry Potter discussion, and it'll be just like last podcast. Yes. So, so highly, highly encouraged. I think Sean asked if hugs at the, like, the judge conference at Comic-Con counts. Sure. Sure. I don't... I don't know what it is, but yeah, like Gen Con's coming up. I think the contest should probably go through at least then because that'll give people a lot of opportunities for random judge hugs. And they might be in costume. Oh, that's sweet. Like how cool would it be for like a Robotech mech to be hugging a judge? That's pretty sweet. That's so, pretty awesome. As a, as a reminder, this is at facebook.com slash judgecast is where you need to post the picture. And also make sure you say who you're, you, who you're hugging, what judge you're hugging, so that we just we know it's a judge. Because unfortunately, we don't recognize every judge on site yet. Yep. All right. All right, what time is it? Mail time! Beautiful. Does that work? Yeah, it's great. I have, I have no That's opinion. perfect. So these are a lot of uh, kind of basic rules questions anyway, so let's just blow through them. Our first mail is from Ian Baxter. He is from Waterloo, Ontario, and he says, uh, I'm a fan of your podcast. It makes my drive to work much more entertaining. Uh, he says, if the only two creatures on the board are Clone, copying a 1-1, and Hill Giant, and I control both of them, then use Ghostly Flicker targeting both the Clone and the Hill Giant. Does the Clone come back as a 1-1, or as a Hill Giant, or a 0-0, or what? What's going on here? The only two creatures on the board. Uh, Ghostly Flicker just bounce them both and then bring them back in yeah, simultaneously. It just, yeah, it's momentary okay. for two creatures and or All artifacts right. or right. lands. So, so here's here's the unfortunate thing. Clone actually has to, if it's going to copy something, that thing has to be on the battlefield like right before Clone hits. So Clone's like, you know, falling, falling, falling. It's about to hit the ground. It looks to see anybody already on the ground that it can copy. And if it doesn't see anybody, splat, it's going to land as a zero, zero. And in this particular case with uh, with Ghostly Flicker, since both creatures leave the battlefield and come back into play at the same time, uh, there is no creature on the battlefield right before clone hits that clone can see. So it's going to be a zero, zero. Yeah. And die and go splat. Great. Yay. Let's move on to our next one from... Thank you, Ian. Thanks, Ian. From Nicolao Maldonado. Maldonado. I like it. He says, hello there, Judge Cast, and then jumping straight to the meat of his question. During our last podcast, we talked about special actions, and he had a question about one of them. He asks, uh, he says that Leon and Arbiter is mentioned. Uh, it's mentioned that if someone rampant gross and notice they didn't pay the two after the spell resolves, they can't search, since a player never gets priority during the resolution of a spell or ability. Uh, and then he also mentioned somewhere I've read that mana can be generated even when you hold no priority. Is that correct? Uh, and he says if it is, you still can't pay the Leon in tax even with mana, correct? So, yeah, his issue was with uh, Leon and Arbiter, which reads, players can't search libraries. Any player may to- pay two mana for that player to ignore this effect until the end of turn. Does anyone want to tackle this one, or I can take it? Uh, if you want, sure. I, I answer. Sure, go for it. <laughs> okay. Oh. So what? Nothing. Go. <laughs> 
So paying Leon and Arvid visibility is a special action, as we talked about before when we were talking about these kinds of things. Mm -hmm. uh, because you're paying mana to ignore an effect. And so even though this ability doesn't use the stack, it does have to be paid or ignored while you have priority. So even though, you know, you might have mana in your mana pool at another time, part of the resolution of effect, you might be able to uh, generate mana or what have you, you have to pay for the effect while you have priority. So while we're in the middle of resolving rampant growth, it does not matter if you somehow put mana in your mana pool, you cannot pay for Leon and Arbor's effect at that point because you do not have priority. Yeah. So, yeah, the only time you can pay pay mana during the resolution of a spell is when the spell asks you to do so. And at this time, Lean and Arbiter isn't resolving or anything like that. It's not asking you to pay the mana. It's giving you the option to pay the mana to allow you to search for the rest of the turn as a special action. So that's different than something like Mana Leak, which says, you know, counter target spell unless uh, the player plays, pays three. So that's, that's the difference there between, you know, special action and paying the mana as it resolves. Is that good? Yep. Okay. That works. Next question. Marcos Rodriguez. Did you hear that R roll? Rodriguez. I did. Rodriguez. Four years of Spanish. Very good, CJ. Yes, thank you. <laughs> uh, yes, so let's say I have Freder. a... Freder. 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 Let's say I have a Burning Pot in play, as well as a Wolfier Avenger. <laughs> I rolled the R. <laughs> I didn't even mean to that time. What would happen if I activate my Avenger's regeneration ability, then sacrifice it to my Burning Pot while I still have the regeneration shield on my Avenger? Uh, he goes on to talk about, I think, some confusing be confusion between undying creatures and regeneration. So I'll, I'll just tackle this one real quick. Basically, the way regeneration works is a lot of players, I think, misunderstand. They think that it brings it back out of the graveyard or something like that. But what it happens in reality is regeneration sets up this shield in front of the creature. And then if the creature would be destroyed, so either by an effect that says destroy or lethal damage, it replaces the destruction with tapping the creature and removing it from combat. What that means... It stays there. Yeah, so it just stays there. Uh, what that means is it doesn't really interact with Birthing Pot at all, because Birthing Pot has you sacrifice the creature, which is not a destruction effect. Beyond that, yeah, yeah I think... It's, I think the I, same, it's the same physical action of picking up the card and putting it in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. Okay, they are they are different things. You know, destroying a, car, destroying a creature will cause you to pick it up and put it in the graveyard. Sacrificing a creature will cause you to pick it up and put it in the graveyard. So... Same physical action, but different meanings. Yep. And the other thing, the other thing it should be noted you can't regenerate from is uh, a creature having zero toughness. Yes. So if a if a creature has a bunch of minus one minus one counters and it has zero or less toughness, it will still go to the graveyard even if it has a regeneration shield because it has zero toughness. You know, I actually think from from playing Duel of the Planeswalkers uh, on on the iPad, I think that's going to be a point of confusion more and more because they actually subtract the number from the creatures. Like if I have a ten ten, and it's taken oh, no. damage, do they really? Yeah, it they displays, do. It displays as a ten seven. Yeah, the seven's like red. That's or something, but super still. awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So. Oh well. Oh well. That. So we got another question from Mr. Rodriguez. He uh, asks. He's, he says he's at a pre-release, and he's watching a match, and one of the players casts a four-mana spell, but the player only has three lands in play and an Arbor Elf. Uh, the guy <laughs> caps three mana. You didn't roll the last R. Arbor <laughs> Elf. Uh, the guy taps three mana, then taps the Arbor Elf down top of the forest, and taps the forest again to get the fourth mana. He feels like the, this was a little odd, but he... Since the other guy plays a lot of magic, he figured it was legal. There's no problem. So he wanted... He's asking about kind of the legality of this, uh... 
Yeah. So if you if you're if you're tapping Arbor, you're treating Arbor Elf like a Lana War Elf. This is essentially what he's doing. It sounds like, which mm-hmm. means he sh- he's shortcutting the whole tap my Arbor Elf to untap a forest, tap the forest, add the green man to my mana pool, and and that's as long as it's clear to both players, that's almost always fine. It's only it only really becomes a problem if you're because it, it's not. Active tapping an arbor elf to untap a, a forest is not a mana ability. Right. So trying to use it as a mana ability might cause problems. However, if you're just using it to cast a spell, then probably just going to call that out of order sequencing and not worry about it. Yeah. It's so what's out of order sequencing? Uh, out of order sequencing. It's a topic for another show. Oh, I know, but just briefly, what is out of order sequencing? Briefly is is when you do stuff. That's technically in an incorrect order. However, you would still reach the same unambiguous uh, final point, so long as you don't gain any additional information by doing things out of order. So, you know, uh, what would be a, a fine example of, of out of order sequencing? Attack, attack, activate, mute of all attack, all in one big motion. I was I would think like resolving like a cultivate and you pull out two lands and then you put like one in your hand and then the other on the battlefield when you're supposed to do it the other way around yeah. or or just you know I cast rampant growth and then put the rampant growth in my graveyard and then go get the land yeah but attack attack you know block block animate block is a is an example of out of, out of order sequencing also I I had one at the pre-release where some Yesterday, where somebody went, you know, block, block, unsummoned block, and uh, just really quickly, and it was that's an example of out of order sequencing. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. So, I, since we're briefly on the topic, I, I hear a lot of judges that want to act like we should try to dissuade out of order sequencing, and I don't, I don't feel like that's the proper attitude. I mean, we want to, we want people to be clear with how they're playing. But out-of-order sequencing is just, I mean, it's just a thing people do. It's not, it's usually okay. Right. And we don't, and we don't require players to explicitly pass priority after they cast a spell either. Exactly. You know, I mean, we, we, we make exceptions to the game because of the way, you know, the game rules are required to be a certain way in order for the game to actually function when it needs to. But for the most part, human beings shortcut stuff all the time. Yes. It's the only way to play the game. So, one last email from Jeffrey Swears. Uh, he says, first off, I recently discovered your podcast, and I love it. I also... Hopefully you still love it after this episode. <laughs> it's so depressing. Uh, secondly, I came across a confusing issue regarding Rise from the Grave and similar cards. If you mill your opponent with Mind Sculpt or Tome Scour, uh, is it legal to target any of those milled cards with a reanimation effect? So, I should read uh, Rise from the Grave without doing it in that voice from... Rise from the grave. Exactly, from Altered Beast. Altered Beast. Rise from the grave. Put target creature card from a graveyard onto the battlefield under your control. That creature is a black zombie in addition to its others, colors, and types. So, Jess, do you want to cover this one? It's uh, pretty easy. Um. Okay, so... His question is basically, can I rise from the grave? Yeah. A creature in an opponent's graveyard. So, rise from the grave says... That that uh, it can target a creature in a graveyard, right? Yep. I want to make sure that we're on the same page with this card. Yep, we are. Yeah. Okay. So since it does not specify your graveyard and it does not say an opponent's graveyard or anything like that, Rise from the Grave doesn't care what graveyard it's in as long as it's in a graveyard. Yep. Uh, so so if if there's a creature in your opponent's graveyard, you can absolutely cast Rise from the Grave targeting a creature card in their graveyard. 
Yep. Uh, and, and when it resolves, that creature card will go into play under your control, uh, and it will be a black zombie in addition to its other types. Now, something that should be noted here is that if something happens to that creature later, like it dies or it gets returned to its owner's hand, it gets returned to its owner's hand, not its controller's hand. So you don't get to put your opponent's creature in your hand. And if it dies, it doesn't go to your graveyard. It goes back to its owner's graveyard. Yep. And then by reading this email, I got that he that Jeffrey may be confused, and I may just be reading into this, but he may be confused that there's a difference between uh, milling your opponent versus things dying or being uh-huh. put in a graveyard from the permanent, from the battlefield. But in the end, it's all the same graveyard. Like it doesn't matter how it got there. Okay, I guess technically the creature never died, but was forgotten or however flavorfully milling is handled. But whatever, it can still rise from the grave. It's not an issue. Rise from the grave. Rise from the grave. You're going to find the more you play Magic, there's a lot of confusing things where the flavor doesn't quite match up. Like when I had Divine Favor on my walking corpse yesterday. <laughs> uh, that doesn't quite add up, but there are things that you could, that are legal to do. Or the fact that Urgent Exorcism does absolutely nothing to Unholy Fiend is something that's unexpected, but just that's the way the game rules work. Now, that walking corpse went into a burning building and saved a baby. Apparently. Yeah, no, 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 that's the wrong the wrong card. You're thinking of uh, the one that gives him plus two, plus four? What? <laughs> Divine favor. Anyway, if you want to contact us, <laughs> you can send us an email at judgecast at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash judgecast. And you can follow us on Twitter at twitter.com slash judgecast. Yay! Oh, one. I think we need to mention one other thing before the before we end. Okay. So you'll notice during this episode we didn't make fun of Judge Cast North at all. Nope. No. And there's a reason for that. And the reason is in their last episode of Judge Cast North, they picked on us, and I think we all listened to that and agreed that that sounded you know kind of unprofessional and. <laughs> And we, we looked at that and it was like... I think, we, I think the word sound- you used before was obnoxious, right? Obnoxious. And it was like, I was listening to it and I was like, boy, that sounds kind of obnoxious. I hope we don't sound that way when we pick on them. So instead, we're going to end the the, the friendly rivalry in, 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 uh, in hopes of not uh, uh, having a segment or anything like that that just sounds overly obnoxious. We're going to upgrade it to an unfriendly rivalry. So if you want to, if you want to say that we're taking the high road, that's fine. Or if you want to say that this is like the ultimate, you know, ding or dig before we just call quits to the whole thing. You know, sure. Either or works fine. Yeah, it is. It's cruel. But, uh, we're, we're probably, we're probably not going to be picking on a uh, uh, judge cast North anymore. Unless there's like overwhelming popular demand that we start making fun of them again, in which case I will be forced to listen to the masses. But, you know, you know, yeah, before we end, I posted a a poll on our Facebook about whether or not we should have so much banter. And I really thought we were going to get blown out on that thing. But so far, it's been 100 percent. Keep doing exactly what we're doing. People seem to enjoy it. So I'm like, great. Yeah. All 14 of the listeners. Yeah. Including my dad. (laughs) <laughs> including your dad which i'm sure he would like a lot less judge talk and a lot more <laughs> just banter all right guys thanks everyone for listening thank you my co-host for being here uh for everyone here at JudgeCast, i'm cj schrader i keep it fair i'm just dunks i keep it fun and i'm brian Frillman and i this time i kept it over two hours yes yes you did that's okay Wow, <laughs>
And like I look down and there's just these black little tiny black spires just pouring out of my shoe with my foot in it. C-c-c-combo. Well, that's going at the end. <laughs>